Welcome to Life Beat, right to Life of Michigan's bi-weekly podcast going in-depth on pro-life news and issues. I'm your host, Chris Gast, RLM's Director of Communication and Education. Happy Friday, everybody. Just to give you an update on the Gorsuch hearings, they've been uh, the vote in the committee has been delayed a week. So if you're listening to it uh, this weekend, hopefully, uh, April Fool's Day weekend, uh, hopefully that first vote is going to be on April 3rd in the committee, and then the full Senate will hopefully vote on Gorsuch's nomination before the end of the week and their Easter recess. Now, the point of delaying a vote might be to delay a full vote in the Senate beyond the Easter recess. I have to say at this point, uh, people aren't really sure if there's going to be a filibuster or not. Uh, My own personal opinion, based on what I've seen, there's not going to be a filibuster. Uh, It's going to be probably 60 or 61 votes in favor of ending the debate, a cloture vote. And so uh, maybe uh, they'll try to continue to stall his nomination a little bit. Uh, try to get a few more victories on the Supreme Court, considering hearings are ongoing right now. But it looks like he'll be cruising to nomination. Of course, I could be wrong. Uh, If there's a filibuster, we'll have a much more interesting podcast episode next time. An update on Obamacare replacement. Uh, The vote obviously didn't take place because the House Speaker, Paul Ryan, couldn't line up enough votes to support it. Uh, All the Democrats were completely opposed, as far as I could see, to any effort to fix or repeal Obamacare. And so the Republicans were forced to go it alone and see if they had enough votes in their caucus, which they didn't. Representative Ryan, uh, House Speaker Ryan, has said that he's going to come back and revisit it, which hopefully he will, because obviously, for our sake... uh, Abortion funding through insurance programs is included, and also defunding Planned Parenthood is part of that. He did say that uh, he would continue that uh, philosophy that we're going to pass this Obamacare replacement using reconciliation, which means it can't can't be filibustered in the Senate, and that Planned Parenthood defunding will be a part of that. So have faith, have heart, uh, the process will continue. Um, I think a lot of people were frustrated that the process was moving so quickly from unveiling the bill to hearings to a vote. Uh, And so maybe next time you might see a little different strategy employed. But we'll follow that when we get to it. Uh, Defunding Planned Parenthood, there's absolutely zero reason that shouldn't happen this year, uh, one way or the other. Um, Obviously, reconciliation is a tool that can only be used once a year. And if Obamacare isn't revisited, then uh, I'm not making policy up on the House, but uh, there's definitely one good reason there to use it, no matter what, this year. Uh, But we'll keep you updated as that moves along. Another quick news story today. Uh, There was a protest in front of the Kalamazoo Planned Parenthood to draw attention to the fact of Cree Irwin's death. Uh, We mentioned it in the podcast two weeks ago, her released autopsy report and death certificate received basically zero media coverage. Zero media coverage, uh, even in local media in Kalamazoo, despite the fact that uh, I know at least one outlet there had covered her death. Um, Unfortunately, because abortion is the cause of death, these sorts of things don't get mentioned. Again, as we see time and time again with the media, 
they're just not on our side. It's not only that they're not on our side, they're not neutral, they're on the other side, they're playing for the other team. That's not to say that every reporter feels that way. There's some good reporters out there that do excellent work, report on us fairly, a couple papers, you might even consider very liberal papers, who will uh, you know, talk to us you know, semi-frequently for our thoughts on issues. But you know, as far as it goes, that's what it takes to get media coverage. And it's good that uh, the protest actually garnered some coverage. So for the first time, a uh, regular person who doesn't listen to this podcast, doesn't follow us online or get our mailings, uh, will actually hear about this case, which is really important. Because, again, we don't know if negligence was involved. And we need to look more into that. In the legislature, we had a couple of interesting things happen. This week, the Senate Transportation Committee, that's the Michigan Senate Transportation Committee, uh, voted 3-1 to one to advance a bill to create a Choose Life license plate in Michigan. So that goes to the full Senate for consideration. Uh, the House, of course, will need to sign off on it. And then, you know, the real obstacle may be the governor, uh, who hasn't been too keen on too many fundraising license plates, uh, but... We know that's a priority because uh, many people say that's what they want to do, that they want to choose life plate, so we'll continue pursuing that and keep you updated as that process moves along. During the hearings on the choose life plate, um, now our legislative director, Ed Rivett, said it was typically crazy stuff that he heard as far as testimony against us, but I think this is kind of uniquely crazy. Planned Parenthood had said that uh, well, Right to Life of Michigan is standing in the way of preventing abortions. Yeah, we're standing in the way of preventing abortions, says the leading abortion provider in the country. Okay. Now, I suppose in a certain sense you could forgive Planned Parenthood for going back to their usual spin about how they do such a good job preventing abortions as their abortion numbers skyrocket. Um, But the American Association of University Women, uh, the person giving testimony uh, on our Choose Life plate bill, well, this only can be filed under the category unhinged. Um, You know, and that's really unfortunate, but... this is this is the view of people who oppose, you know, pro-life people being able to support pregnancy centers. Uh, this person referred to pro-life pregnancy centers as baby finding centers, and the pro-life movement we strategically uh, place these near college campuses in order to allow infertile, wealthy white women uh, to recruit and adopt white babies from a better genetic pool of white college women. You know, as we said in the blog, you know. In the real world, pregnancy centers, uh, they rely heavily on donations and volunteers, yet they are able to provide free help to women in need who enter their doors, regardless of their race or their genetic pool, according to the American Association of University Women. The pro-life movement sees every human being uh, as valuable, with inherent value, and so... uh, we want those women who are considering abortion, you know, not to do that, both for the life of their child and, and, and for their own lives. The value of respecting human life is something important. We believe in promoting, and pregnancy centers are on the front line of that. 
Um, so, but they get a lot of flack, and uh, people who support abortion just just hate them. Which, I mean, so often when you argue with people who support abortion, they say pro-life people don't care about people after they're born. But then you look at the fact that you know pro-life movement operates all these pregnancy centers and what do they do they provide free help counseling they provide free referrals uh, diapers clothes formula uh, the one in town in grand rapids uh, has started a ged program to help you know single moms uh, women who've experienced crisis pregnancies go back and get their high school diploma vastly increase their future prospects um <laughs> we do care about women and babies after they're born. Um, pro-life movement, that's what we're about. So these people who make these silly arguments, you know, you just have to shake your head at the end of the day. Um, another bill that was introduced in the House uh, that we've talked about at our legislative day, it's pretty unique. Um, basically, it's a Miscarriage and Heartbeat Awareness Act, as we're calling it. And what this bill would do is require abortionists to check for a viable heartbeat uh, of the unborn child when they're doing an abortion, which, I mean, they ought to be doing anyway because when you're doing abortion, confirming a pregnancy is uh, kind of necessary. Once the abortionists can, if the abortionists can locate a heartbeat of the child, then the abortionist is required to offer the woman a chance to hear the heartbeat as part of informed consent. If the abortionist can't locate uh, a heartbeat in a child, um, that's often an indicator that a uh, miscarriage rate is going to be uh, much higher. The overall miscarriage rate after just a positive pregnancy test ranges from 15 to 25%. And based on whether or not they can detect the heartbeat at, say, seven, eight weeks of pregnancy, uh, it's really going to determine the course of that pregnancy. And so at that point, the abortionist is required to give the women some basic information about miscarriage. And why is that important? Well, um, abortionists are sloppy, as we frequently cover, and sometimes we even have anecdotal evidence, the pro-life movement does, of abortionists who perform abortions on women who aren't even pregnant. Cheating women out of money and giving them the guilt of a lifetime uh, that they had an abortion and took the life of their unborn child when they didn't, in reality. And so uh, the two goals of this legislation, uh, one is to uh, increase informed consent, which obviously we believe as you know, the pro-life movement, that's good in general, but the more you educate women, the more they understand the value of the unborn child. Um, two, uh, obviously we want to prevent abortionists from doing sloppy work and uh, you know, women from being in situations where uh, they've maybe had a miscarriage and uh, they don't need an abortion. Uh, because obviously the pregnancy is over and their child's um, life has already ended. And so it's a really interesting bill. It's unique. Um, the only objection I've seen to it uh, goes along the lines of, well, you're forcing women to do something. And it's like, well, it's not forcing someone to do something. You're giving them the option of hearing it. They can say no, just like an ultrasound. It's informed consent. If they don't want to be informed, they're not required to or wouldn't be under this law. And so, again, the arguments that uh, the other side makes against our legislation is just kind of ridiculous. 
I suppose you could make a legitimate argument that, well, you're intruding on, on doctors' procedures. But again, as we've seen, you know, abortion doctors are extremely sloppy and confirming a pregnancy, um, especially in terms of um, making sure that the pregnancy is a uterine pregnancy and not an ectopic pregnancy, um, in which case trying to, for example, give her RU46 would be extremely risky. This is, you know... State government is charged with regulating our medical profession, our hospitals, our doctors. And so it's really not anything out of the ordinary. Um, obviously, when you're going through a pregnancy, this is stuff that doctors routinely do anyway. And so it shouldn't be that controversial. But we'll see. Uh, the main story I wanted to talk about was the new Center for Medical Progress videos. Uh, the Center for Medical Progress, of course, is uh, David DeLayden. And uh, his other main co-worker there, uh, the other staff person, Sandra Merritt, and their excellent undercover videos on Planned Parenthood and what goes on with Planned Parenthood's uh, selling the bodies of aborted babies, specifically uh, organs, uh, intact organs and tissues. I'm guessing, because of how they uh, phrased the video, that the Center for Medical Progress was inspired by a recent news segment on Tucker Carlson's show on Fox News. And Tucker Carlson had on a leader of Planned Parenthood and was asking her, well, what do you think of the baby? What do you think, uh, you know, it's taking the life of the baby. What do you think about that? And, you know, the pro-life, or excuse me, the, um, the pro-abortion staff person from Planned Parenthood obviously completely dodged the question. Um, I think based on how the video, that's kind of what inspired the Center for Medical Progress, uh, to put it out there, and it's from a trade uh, kind of a reception, a networking reception from uh, quite a while ago, and they're asking, uh, David Leiden undercover is asking a woman who is a medical director of a Planned Parenthood facility uh, in Arizona, you know, can I buy the brains of your aborted babies? And so they talk about a couple different issues in the video. I'll just start out and um, say a lot of disturbing things in here. So if you're a little queasy, you know, uh, maybe you don't want to listen to the rest of the podcast. Um, but I think even if you are queasy, you really should make an effort to understand that this is what is going on in the abortion industry. This is what they're doing. This is uh, reality. And that's something that we need to be able to explain to people. So I encourage you to stay on and keep that podcast going couple of the things that uh, were discussed. Um, this uh, medical director, Dr. Deshaun Taylor, goes into graphic detail uh, about how she delivers uh, intact fetuses and late-term abortions uh, to deliver the best quality body parts. Uh, they talk about what happens if a fetus comes out showing signs of life. In other words, the baby's alive, uh, breathing, moving, has a heartbeat, something. Um, and she says, well, we're supposed to transport it to the hospital. And uh, so David Delayden or his uh, other person who's undercover with him asked, is there any standard procedure for verifying signs of life? And Dr. Taylor kind of flippantly replied, well, the thing is, I mean, the key is you need to pay attention to who's in the room, right? Um, so I'm going to guess that no, they don't have a standard procedure other than, hey, can I get away with not taking this baby to the hospital like I'm required under law? Which again, shouldn't surprise us. Um, the stories that we hear of other abortion clinics and whatnot, even hospitals. So there was a famous case up in Christ Hospital 
in Illinois of leaving babies born alive um, following abortions to die in a soiled utility closet. Absolutely zero compassion um, on their part. And you know what that is? That's infanticide. Um, baby's already born at that point. So apparently their standard procedure is to, you know, do nothing if they can get away with it or if it won't freak out their clinic staff. One of the kind of more disturbing parts of the video is when Taylor describes how she does the D&E abortion, which, of course, is uh, using a pair of clamps to physically tear off each limb from the unborn child. Um, presumably the unborn child dies at some point from shock or blood loss uh, in the course of this what can only be described as an excruciatingly painful procedure. Um, you know, in medieval times, they used to call this form of execution drawing and quartering as one of the most brutal ways to kill a person. Um, uh, but anyway, she's explaining that um, the best way to do that is to kill the baby first with uh, digoxin. Um, now, this is, of course, a concern for uh, David Delayden as an undercover person trying to purchase fetal brains. Uh, apparently, the digoxin destroys the tissues and the organs of the unborn child, which isn't good if you're wanting to purchase them uh, wholesale. So uh, he was talking with uh, this medical director about how can you do the abortion without using digoxin so I can get an intact brain out of the de deal. And uh, Taylor explains that, um, you know, quote, my biceps appreciate when the dig, the digoxin, works. I remember when I was a uh, fellow and I was training and I was like, oh, I have to hit the gym for this. Um, so what she's doing there is saying that, um, you know, that uh, apparently it's a lot of physical effort on the part of the abortionist to tear apart the live baby as opposed to the dead baby. The poison hasn't done its work or the baby is fighting back, struggling for its life. I'm I'm not sure. I've never uh, taken the time to tear apart another human being limb from limb. But... Again, just the disturbing, callous nature. They talk about it. Uh, strategies to deliver a head intact so the brain can be intact, so the uh, so it can be sold. And uh, you know, uh, what can you say about that? It's kind of interesting. The one thing that uh, the doctor Taylor strongly reacted against was the idea of calling the fetus a baby. Um, she's kind of almost comically said, you can't call it a baby. It disturbs people in my office. It's just so creepy. And it's, you know, they're so deep into what they're doing uh, and taking human life that the recognition to them that they are taking a human life is, is unbearable. I think that speaks, you know, less to the use of the word baby and more to the action that they're engaging in. And so, Again, another video, just the callous nature of abortion. And um, the video didn't get as much news as the fact that David Delayden and Sandra Merritt are facing 15 felony charges in the state of California. That's right. In California, the California Attorney General, who is, uh, of course, receives campaign donations from Planned Parenthood, just like his uh, predecessor, Kamala Harris, who had... Uh, a raid on David Delayden's apartment and stole all his footage. Um, 
from him, um, said that, uh, well, uh, there's a law in California that you can't record someone in a private situation, and so uh, we're charging David Lydon and Sandra Merritt with 15 felonies, and um, as I believe each of them can carry up to a one-year in prison uh, penalty. Now, I don't think that this case is uh, was brought about um, even to be successful. I don't think that they honestly think that they're going to get David Daleiden and Sandra Merritt in jail. I think, you know, obviously the Ninth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals, which is doesn't always uh, <laughs> use the best judicial judgment, you know, they've ruled that... Uh, you know, all these videos were taken, you know, at restaurants, at conferences, in business meetings, and that these are plainly not private situations. Um, you know, and, and journalists have done this exact same thing and have gotten off with it because that's undercover journalism. It's accepted part of how our privacy laws work, how our media works, how society views these things. No one objects to, you know, secret recordings of presidential candidates or uh, animal cruelty, um, you know, people who engage in animal cruelty. And so uh, I don't think that they think that this is going to actually result in a conviction. I think their goal is uh, twofold in this. That would be Planned Parenthood's goal, who obviously the Attorney General is happy to work on behalf of. Uh, one, um, you know, punish Daleiden and uh, Sandra Merritt just by the process, having to come to the hearings, having to hire legal representation, the cost involved, um, an organization that receives $500 million in taxpayer money every year can more easily afford such a process uh, when all they have to do is, you know, donate uh, and, you know, use their influence with the attorney general and then the uh, government can uh, deal with that. Any cost is passed on to the taxpayers there. Um, David Daleiden, on the other hand, doesn't get $500 million from taxpayers. He is not a wealthy man, as far as I know, considering um, you know his legal defense has had to been provided to him. I know a lot of pro-lifers uh, pro have supported those efforts, and so just punishing him, you know, having to work through the process to you know exonerate himself. The second goal, which is uh, a, a bit more sinister in just how they see the issue, is uh, just another reason for people who support abortion to completely ignore the videos. If you've tried to talk with anyone about these videos in the last few, uh, last you know, months and years, that these issues, uh, videos have been an issue, they always say, "Well, these are just made-up videos." And almost invariably, they've watched zero seconds of these of these videos. They're not even really aware or care that the full footage is available online. I mean, except for the most recent video, I've either seen the full footage or read the transcripts of every single one of these videos, hours of footage um, that I've either seen or read the dialogue of. And there's no there there. There's no fake thing. You know, everything is pulled out completely in context. Um, and so Planned Parenthood has to get these talking points out here to get their supporters to try to ignore it. Because as I've gone on, this is what I've realized, is that Planned Parenthood and the abortion movement, a large part of their public relations strategy is to deceive their own public, abortion supporters, uh, from the truth. And trying to get them to spread these falsehoods. Like, for example, everyone knows the 3% line. Um, you, you, you come to someone who supports... Uh, you know, Planned Parenthood say, you know, if you divide 2.5 million clients by 320,000 abortions, that doesn't equal 
But these people, you know, honestly believe that it's 3%. And when you tell them these numbers using Planned Parenthood's own annual report, they think they're made up. It's crazy. And so the second goal of this case is to, uh, just like they did with the Texas case, is that, oh, well, these are, um, these are criminals who doctored the footage, and that's why they're getting into trouble. Well, that's not the case at all. Uh, just like when Planned Parenthood released their own <laughs> paid-for uh, review of the videos saying, well, these are, you know, and the, and the headline was, oh, these are doctored, these are made up. Uh, if you read the report itself, which is like pitifully short, just a few pages, it says, you know, none of the footage was doctored. Uh, they try to make some lame arguments that some things were taken out of context, which really isn't the case when you look at the context. Um, but again, the, the goal of that report is not to be some comprehensive uh, matter of all the facts and putting together in a logical sequence that any person can understand, that's not the goal of that report at all. The goal is to generate a media headline that the media, going back to the beginning, um, the media is not our friends. So the media will propagate this headline, this narrative, as they're called these days, and that's what the supporters see, and that's prevents the their own supporters from learning more about the organization they support. Because again, a constant theme, they don't want people understanding what abortion is or what they do. They need it shrouded in darkness in order to maintain it. And so uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll see more with David Leiden and new videos. He's got plenty of other footage that's being held up in a separate court order. Um, and so hopefully we'll continue to see even more new footage and continue to get uh, the truth of what Planned Parenthood thinks uh, in front of people. All right, that's all the time we have for this edition of LifeBeat. Join us again in three weeks. We'll keep you updated on any important breaking news. And our feature is going to be looking more at what is Roe and what is Doe, Roe v. Wade and Doe versus Bolton. So I hope you join us then. Have a wonderful weekend, and thank you for listening.